concealed and revealed. And I believe God changed the message for somebody here today. I, I really do. I just I firmly believe that. I believe there's somebody sitting here that God wants to really speak to your heart today. And I don't know who that is, but I believe God will take care of that. But let's pray, and then uh, we will uh, look at the Scriptures together, and we're going to look at some, some interesting things. We'll be in several places. If you want to turn to Luke 22, verse 20, I'm sorry, I don't have a PowerPoint ready. I really needed a PowerPoint, wanted a PowerPoint for some visual things, but didn't think that this message was coming. I had one for the other, but I don't have one, so we'll go old school. You're just going to have your Bible in your lap, and... Uh, and just, uh, and just listen intently. So uh, uh, but let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day, God. Thank you for the worship. Thank you, God, for answered prayers. Thank you, God, for uh, graduates today that we're going to honor. And Lord, we just pray that you would speak to our hearts today through the Word of God, that you would change our lives, God. I pray that this would be honoring to you. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would, uh, would just absolutely come and confirm this message and, uh, Lord, uh, uh, would, would bring life to people, God, would, uh, would awaken those, would call some of those in the graves today to hear your voice and to come out. And, Lord, uh, only by the Spirit can that be done. It can't be done through my preaching or through my being loud or not loud or what I do, God. It, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the Word of God going forth and the Spirit bringing life, God. Just like in that very, very creation moment, God, where, where you spoke and the Spirit was brooding over the waters and over the chaos and life came. And Lord, and formation came. And Lord, now there, there's the new birth that you want to bring. You want to come with your word and speak. And over the chaos and the void and the darkness of what sin has done and left and ruins in our life, God, you want to come and by your spirit breathe and make life come again to our, our hearts and our lives. And to cause a new creation to, be, to come into us and be born again. And so, Lord, I just pray for that today, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. We've been uh, talking about the covenants ever since the beginning of, uh, of this year, pretty much. And uh, we've been talking about seven major covenants that we see in the Scriptures. There's more, but those seven are the main covenants that we see. And we're talking about building a foundation. We're talking about when the storms come and, uh, and, and begin to beat vehemently upon both believer and non-believer. The one founded on the rock is the one that's going to be able to Stand, withstand the, 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 the storm. And we're in a storm. And we've been in a storm for quite a while. It wasn't just COVID. We've been in storms have been coming for a while. Uh, even when Jesus arrived on the scene, he said it was the last days. Once Calvary took place, he basically said, know that you're in the last days. We're in the last of the last of the last days now. And so uh, we know the storms are intensifying and we know that things are beginning to happen. And so uh, it's vital for us to understand these things. It's vital to understand. A lot of us, especially in the deep south, I grew up and a lot of us have Christian jargon that we can throw out there. A lot of us were raised in church. A lot of us went to some children's church classes and this and that. And we know all the Christian lingo that we can throw out there when people come. If somebody comes witnessing to our door, we can easily say, I'm a Baptist. I was a Church of God person. We, don't, we, we, we can easily throw out all these things or even terms maybe like born again and this and that, but with the blood or this or that. But, but do we ever really know what that means? Do we ever take it down? And uh, Because it's vital to our understanding that we press in to know God. Those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. We must know Him. We must be firmly rooted and grounded in Christ. We must be on a solid rock. And it's, it's a belief now. The new covenant you're going to see is a belief in something. It's an it's unshakable, unwavering promise that's given and we believe it and nothing is revelation, wisdom, and knowledge. It's a rhema revelation that's come to you and you believe that, that, that this is the Christ, the Son of the living God. For flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my Father in heaven. And you're Peter, and on this rock you'll stand. Amen? And so it's not just some 
I went to church, I went to Sunday school, I taught a class, I preached a sermon. No, you must know that you know that you know. Amen. You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus died, buried, and rose again. Then you shall be saved. It's not just saying, answering the altar call one time and, and coming down, shaking the preacher's hand and getting baptized. It's not just praying some sinner's prayer that saves you, folks. It's, it's, it's receiving a person. It's receiving Christ in to you. Amen. And uh, Paul said, I, I, I travail, Ephesus. I, I, I literally cry and wail and moan until Christ be formed in you. I want Christ to be formed in your life. That's salvation, folks. Amen. And so we want that in your life and in my life as well. And so we want to move beyond just be becoming slogans and jargons and, 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 and animated because we grew up in the church. But we want something deeper than that. And we want to, we want to press in to Christianity and to really know Christ. In Luke 2, 20, or Luke last week, 22 and 20, we said this. We said, likewise, he also took took the cup after supper saying, this now, what I'm establishing and instituting now, is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And folks, we talked about the enormity of that statement. We read those statements and we think, okay, this is the blood. Hey, take communion. This is the blood that was shed for you. No, there was an enormous amount of, uh, of weight in that statement. And we looked at that last week, and I'm not going to rehash that for time's sake, but, but the more you can understand these things, and that's why the Scripture says meditate. The man who meditates on this day and night We'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. I mean, you must, you, that's why uh, not uh, yoga meditation, that's, of, that's, that's not of God. The, but meditation, meditating on the scripture, meditating on the word, understanding this, pressing in to know it, having it revealed by the spirit of God. That's something that God wants to bring. And the man who does that, he prospers. The woman who does that, they prosper. And and so just coming down, praying a prayer, going home and never changing, never reading the Bible, never, never praying, never having a relationship with God. That's not Christianity, folks. Never living for Christ Monday through Saturday and then coming here on Sunday and hooping and hollering. That's not Christianity. It's knowing Him, folks. It's really having an intimate, personal relationship with, with God to yourself. And you can hide here or you can hide at home. And you can hide in the Bible Belt and throw out all kinds of things and act like you know God. And you don't know Him. And on that day, He'll say, many shall say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we preach? Didn't we go to church? Didn't we sing on the praise team? He'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I don't know you. I, don't, I, I never had intimacy with you. I don't see any of my likeness in you. I don't see my son in you. And so, so we want to look at these statements and we want to go deep. We want our faith to grow because the more you can believe God and God's word and the promises of God and meditate on this and have the covenants revealed to you, the stronger your faith is going to be to be able to withstand anything, to be able to withstand the cancer diagnosis, to be able to withstand the dialysis treatments, to be able to withstand the death of a child or the death of a loved one, the, 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 the power to stand whatever storms come our way and know we can get through it and get to the other side. Amen? So the Old Testament, this is a very important term. I wish This is where I wish I had PowerPoint because seeing it and looking at it. But listen to this. You've heard this term, and it was coined by Augustine, one of the church fathers, and he early church fathers. And he said, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. You might want to write this down. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Okay? This is vital if you want to read your Bible correctly. So listen to it again. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New so without the New Testament, they only have partial. They don't really understand fully what they're reading. They got a lot of types and shadows and things going on that are really trying to show the New Testament, but they it, 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 you'll see in a minute. But now that the New Covenant is here, the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Now we can read these things back into the Old Covenant and say, "Wow! Wow! Wow!" I see Jesus everywhere. 
And so, so, uh, we're, so when you come into the New Testament and you see Jesus talking about this is the cup of my blood in the new covenant that is shed for you, then we, we, we want to begin to understand what all that means. Now, we said there were seven covenants, and we've talked about those a lot, so you ought to be familiar with those. The first one we mentioned was that God made a covenant with Adam in the garden. We said that God made a covenant with Adam, and he made a covenant that was called a covenant of works. And we know that Adam worked in the garden. We know that he named the animals. We know that there was a great fall that came really quick, that he couldn't even keep the one command that God gave him for before he, he broke it very quickly and we need to know that uh, the, that salvation now is being brought to us by God salvation the scripture I couldn't believe it when Caleb read the scripture because that's, that's a big scripture that I'm leaning on today salvation is of the Lord salvation belongs to the Lord and he can give it to whom he wills and God immediately even though he knew he was going to put a man in the garden and that man was going to fall the Bible says in Revelation and other places that before the foundation of the world your God planned your salvation he planned your salvation it's a plan it's a plan salvation is a plan by God salvation belongs to the Lord our God and he can will it to whomever he wills and give it to whomever he wants to give and so when Adam and Eve fell the Bible says but see it's vital that you don't just say oh well good he saved us no you need to know what that means you need to have that revealed to you and you need to understand so that you can stand in this last day and that when the enemy comes to erode your foundation of belief and say ah did God really say or maybe you're not deserving of salvation you can come back to what you know is the plan of God and stand upon the word of God amen, amen. Yeah. hallelujah so that that we're not thrown into a panic so when Adam and Eve sin and when sin seemed to to win the hour it didn't panic our God it didn't throw God into a panic and say, oh my gosh, I created a, a creation. I said they were very good. I put them in the midst of the garden and Taylor now, my goodness, they've gone berserk. I don't know what to do. God had a plan. It didn't throw him off. He, he had a perfect plan that was far reaching and going to be far reaching into every soul. And, and, and when you understand it perfectly, it produces worship. Some of you don't understand why we get exuberant sometimes in our worship around here. Sometimes it's because when we start thinking about the blood, we start thinking about salvation, we start thinking about Calvary, we start thinking about how bad our sin was and how great this God came and delivered us out of that. I can't help but clap my hand I can't help but shout I can't help but get excited amen and so the fall of Adam didn't send God into a panic and and when you understand this deeply it produces perfect worship now we said the Old Testament is concealing the New Testament and the New Testament is revealing the Old Testament and I want to show you this. If the plan of God is all through the Word, this is how I want you to start reading your Bibles as you read your Bibles. Because in the garden, we see the plan of salvation really quickly. There's, a, there's another word I would like to put up on the screen if I could have, but these are foundational that you understand this. In Genesis 3.15 is where we see God preach the gospel to mankind. God, I said, had a plan. And Hunter, God comes himself after fall of man. You'd think God say, I'm done with you. He preaches to man in Genesis 3.15. It's called the pro-evangelium. That's what the fancy term when you go to Bible school. And it's literally a Latin word that means first God. Gospel. The first gospel we see in the Word of God is God Himself coming and preaching in Genesis 3.15. This first gospel, the gospel Himself, He's declaring to Adam and Eve, even in the failures. They, they, he's declaring the gospel of what He's going to do for them. How He's going to save them. He declares it to them in the midst of their failure. Isn't that what He's doing to us today, right now? It's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And he declares this first gospel to a people who had failed, to a people who were sin, sinners, to a people who had fallen short of the glory of God. He comes immediately in his love and moves towards them. And what do they do? They went off and hid, the Bible says, just like many of you have done and are doing. And they begin to take some fig leaves and make clothing from those fig leaves to cover their nakedness and to cover their sin and to cover their shame. And, and God is calling them 
them to himself to clothe them with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And, he, and yet they still are now beginning to reason within themselves and to go away from God in their own thinking and say, I made the mess so I'll fix the mess. Isn't that what human beings want to do? I messed up so I don't want to burden somebody else with this. My pride won't let me. I'm not going to come to you, God. I'll fix it myself. And so they hid themselves and they opened themselves up to all these possibilities of how I can save myself with religion. That's what those figs leave. Coverings, other coverings, other types of, of religion. And so, 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 so I messed up in the garden, so i got to fix it somehow, and then I'll come to you, God. I'll find a way to please you. I'll find a way to make myself look appropriate and look good, and I'll come back to you. I'm the one who messed it up, so I must have to be the one who fixes it. And folks, that's a lie, and it's only a half-truth because you're the one who messed it up, but you'll never be able to fix it. You messed your life up. I messed my life up. But you'll never be able to put the pieces back together. There's only one. And that's what the, there's another in the fire. And he's moving towards you with the plan of salvation before you ever failed. And even in your failure and saying, I loved you with an everlasting love. And I want you. And I want to save you. And here's my perfect plan. Receive it. Amen. And here it is. Go to Genesis 3.15. And he says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your heel or head and you shall bruise his heel. And what he said is there's coming forth a seed from the human race who will undo everything the devil did in the garden, bug. There's coming one forth from humanity that will be able to undo it. You can't undo your mess, but I'm going to send one into the world. He's coming. Just wait. I got a plan for the world. I got a plan for salvation of the world. My son is going to come into the world at just the right time, and he's going to die for the sins of humanity, and he's going to set things back in order and loose us from everything the devil brought on our life. Amen? And that salvation, is, 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 it's there. It's put out there to Adam and Eve. And it's very easy. And it's the same salvation plan that he puts out to you and me today. If they would have believed back then that promise, they would have been saved. It's still by grace that you are saved. He's offering them the same thing right there. He's saying there's coming somebody if you'll put your trust and faith and believe in this promise, you too shall be saved. Adam and Eve chose not to do that and begin to make coverings for themselves and begin to think outside of God. Surely that can't be that easy. I got to do something. I got to go to church. I got to I keep the Ten Commandments. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to teach. I got to preach. I got to do all these things to please God. Surely I got to make nice covers. I got to wear preacher robes. I got to wear a nice suit. I got to do all this. I got to cut my hair a certain way. I got to do all this stuff. I got to not wear makeup. Wear makeup. Not wear jewelry. Wear jewelry. I got to do all these things to try to please this holy God. And God's moving towards humanity and saying, No, it's my son and it's faith and it's believe. It's believe in him. And we see that many years later in a man called Abraham, whom the seed is going to come through. And the Bible says that Abraham gets presented this same gospel and he believes it, Joe. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Why? Because he put on a garment? Because he put fig leaves on himself to cover himself up and come, God, I'm not naked anymore. Don't I look good? God, I didn't cuss last week. Don't I look beautiful? God, I withheld my tongue and didn't gossip about sister so-and-so. Man, I've done real good this week. Don't I look great, God? Right? I studied my Bible more than everybody in here. You ought to be pleased with me, Father. Right? I know the word pro-evangelion. Right? That'll really look real cool when I stand before the throne of God. Why should I let you in? Oh, you preached the pro-evangelion. 
No, the same gospel is coming through. It's, 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 it's in the Old Testament. It's concealed, but in the New Covenant, it's now being revealed. We're understanding everything that's in there. And Abraham, even in his partial understanding, is sitting there saying, I, hey, I, there's a seed coming. Now, he had it, he had it partially right because he really thinks it's going to be Isaac. He doesn't quite see beyond that it's going to be another one. It's going to be Jesus. But, but he believes. He believes. God, you said it. There's a seed coming and it's going to save the whole world. And it was credited to Abraham as righteousness. Now we can look back and we can see revealed. Hey, wait just a minute. It wasn't Isaac. Isaac is going to be offered and he's going to get stopped. But there's another Isaac coming. There's a second Isaac that's going to come come down the way and he is better than the first Isaac because he is the God man he has come from heaven and he's here to save us and to heal us of our sins amen and so Abraham we know comes eventually years later Abraham comes into the world and Abraham the Bible says is born in Ur of the Chaldees he's born in that part of the world and we know that God's going to bring has prophesied and said I'm going to bring a seed that's going to come into the world and fix mankind's problems from way back in the garden and so Abraham arrives on the scene and, and there's something interesting about God's got don't think all those genealogies yeah they're boring I know I get it I, I fall asleep in them too but man as you get pressed in to know the things of the Lord, you find out God's mind is unbelievable. He wrote this book and it's just unbelievable the things that come out of there. And there's a reason he put everything in there. And God wants to reveal those things to us in the pages of Scripture. And boy, when you begin to go to Genesis 5, we see the gospel preached again. We said he's revealing the plan of salvation all through the Word of God. And you come to the genealogy and there's something amazing that takes place. Do you understand that Abraham arrives and he comes on the scene and there is a time when Shem and Noah and Abraham were all alive for 37 years. Do you know that? Do you know that out of your Bible and out of genealogy? There was a time when Noah got off the earth and got off the ark and you have Shem who is Noah's son and you have Abraham and you have Noah alive for a short window of time. So Abraham is hearing all about the garden. Abraham is hearing from his great, 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 great grandfather, Sham, all about the things of God. I believe he's hearing about the pro-evangelion. He's hearing things that are said there. The rest of the world is going bonkers and berserk into sin. They've come off the ark and darkness is beginning to sin. A cloud of darkness is coming back on mankind. And mankind, once again, is coming over here and building a tower. They're doing this. They're building religious garb. They're moving away from the plan of salvation and the plan of God. Confusion is abounding everywhere like it is today. Maybe all roads lead to God. Maybe this happens. Maybe this is how we get to God. And such confusion is being sown into the hearts and minds of people. But there are some people that were back there. They were back there right near and next to the garden there. And all of a sudden they began to share with Abraham. And something, look, Abraham's people are not even living for God. They're down in Ur of the Chaldees. And they're worshiping all kinds of pagan idols and pagan gods now. That's how far they've moved away from God. And yet, yet these people start talking to this, this, these people about there was a time in the garden when man woke up. He was born out of consciousness and God was there and he saw God and he walked with God and God wanted fellowship with him and God wanted relationship with him. And Adam, my father Adam, he named the animals and Eve and they live with God and they walk with God and they talk with God and all these things began to happen until sin entered the picture and Abraham something's beginning to stir in this heart of his something's beginning to believe he talks about how God wants to come and God wants to save the earth again and the world again through this seed that's going to come one day there's a promise in Genesis 3:15 that begins to be spoken of and something begins to burn in this man's heart and he believes he believes he believes even in the midst of paganism even in the midst of a world like today the God gospel comes down to Abraham through these people and he begins to start to believe maybe that God is who he says he is and so Abraham gets called out of this land we know and he comes out of the land of Ur and he begins to get called by God and we know eventually that Abraham's family uh, receives this revelation and 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 how uh, of, of Noah finding grace in the eyes of the Lord and that there's coming a seed and then God says I want to bring a seed it's going to come through you Abraham 
Abraham. It's going to come through Isaac. And it's going to come through Jacob. And it's just as the stars of the sky and as the dust of the ground will be your descendants. And somehow Abraham believed God. This is how salvation is going to be brought to the world. This is the plan of God. This is the reconciliation of the very nature of God. This is how much he loves you. And here's the problem. Listen, the problem that sounds like, well, we got a problem with man. No, man's not the problem. The problem and the dilemma lies with God. Number one, how does he forgive us? And number two, because he's so holy. But number two is how do I find a way to break these people down so that they receive this salvation? Because they're so stubborn and obstinate and prideful. How do I convince them to believe this so that they can be saved? And, and that's the big problem. That's the problem with humanity and mankind. Famous atheist wrote these words. He said, nothing would change with the death of God. But I beg to, beg to get there. He said, society would go on like never before, just the same as it is. But I beg to differ. I would beg to ask the millions of people in China who died for God at a martyr's death. They believed in God. I believe the people in India that died at the martyr's hand, they believed in God. So something would definitely change if God were to be put to death and there were no God. Absolutely it would change. There are people on the face of the earth that believe in God and it's because of the blood of the Lamb that our lives got added value to. Amen? Amen. Because without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. So God planned salvation and He planned to bring the blood of His Son and He planned to wash away and cover our sins. And the fact that God can do this is the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that is spotless and sinless is so valued. It's so valuable that when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And I'll pass over your sins. And so, so, so when we can grow in our understanding of these things, and not just have religious jargon in our mouth, but really know it can change our lives. And so, the, so, so we need to apprehend what I'm preaching on. The, we need to press in. If you came just for, just for convenient Christianity, there's churches down the road that will offer you skits and a 15-minute sermon and you can go home. But I want to press in and know my God. I want to know God. I want to understand Him. I want to walk with Him. I want to talk with Him. I want to be intimate with Him. And I want to spend eternity in heaven with Him. Amen? And so imagine Abraham after the world, after the flood has happened, after sin has ravaged the earth. Something descends on the atmospheric world. This evil, people are possessed. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff going on. The prince of the power of the air is now ruling and in charge as we studied about on Wednesday night. And Satan is very cl clever. All he needed to do, he didn't need to come to possess everybody, Jay, Joe, because all he needed to do was know that we're possessed now by our own flesh and our own lust. When we fell, we fell into, uh, uh, we, we were sown with an old, old nature that absolutely does what it wants to do. We are possessed by our flesh, so he just stands back, puts a little bait. We don't have to do anything. We move towards evil. We move toward, without God, you move the way your nature wants to go. Through fleshly lust and through, through, through all of these things. That's what the world today is doing. They suppress the knowledge of God, Romans 1 says. And because of that, they put truth out of the way and God gives them over to every kind of strong delusion and every kind of evil and foul practice they could ever want to do. God's not doing it. They're doing it. They want it. Their flesh wants it. And God eventually backs out of the way and lets them have it. And that's what you're seeing in the world today. If it feels good, do it. And here, feed self. Feed self because it's all about you. And don't worry about anybody else and take this book and just totally destroy the commands of God and preach out of the mouth of Satan himself and say, you don't worry about church. Church doesn't matter. It's all about you. You don't worry about serving God because it's all about you. You don't worry about marriage and getting marriage and having a certificate and doing it holy and right before God because it's all about you. And it's doctrines of demons and devils. And if you do it, it will lead to your demise and your destruction. But if you follow God's Word, it will lead to life. And and health and 
prosperity and, and, and just peace and joy. And, and so after the flood, Satan fell. He, he, he came into the world. He was the ruler or the God of this world. He began to possess the hearts and minds or just leading them into their natural wants and desires of their own flesh. Now the plan of salvation is trying to be revealed all through the Word of God. It's coming down and we can see it and, and we can know it. Genesis 3.15, it's there. And now we come to Genesis 5 and there's something really, really interesting here in Genesis 5 uh, that I want you to turn there in the genealogy that we normally nod off or quickly read through because I want to show you how the plan of salvation was brought to us again and then I want to show you one more place and I'll let, I'll let go so I don't overwhelm you. But here we go. Listen to chapter 5. Here's what it says. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot uh, a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. And he begot Seth and the days of Adam were 800 years. And, and he had sons and daughters and so all the days that were Adam lived were 930 years and he died. So, so uh, Adam gives birth to Seth. Seth gives birth to Enosh. Enosh gives birth to Canaan. Canaan gives birth to Malel. Malel gives birth to Jared. Jared gives birth to Enoch. Enoch gives birth to Methuselah. Methuselah gives birth to Lamech, and Lamech gives birth to Noah. And Enoch, uh, and each name in Hebrew has a very, very important meaning, and they would have known that, and they know that each name has very, very vital meaning here. And so when you put the name to these, this sentence and make a sentence out of it, you're going to see the second plan of God. You're going to see salvation being revealed right here in the genealogy, right here in Genesis 5. Because listen to the names of these people. Adam's name means man. And if I could put it up, I had it up. and I, Seth's name means appointed. Enish's name means mortal or mutual. Canaan means sorrow. Mahalel's means blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death shall bring. And Lamech means despairing. And Noah means comfort and rest. When you put the names of these first genealogies together, here's what God put in the scripture. Man appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching his death and shall bring the despairing comfort and rest. God is preaching the gospel all the way through the book. Lo, I'm revealed in the volume of the book, for it is written of me. I mean, did you hear that? How can you do that? You can't do that unless the Spirit of God does that. How do you name these people and they come out with a sentence in order? Man appointed mortal sorrow. Our sin brought mortal sorrow on our lives. But the blessed God shall come down teaching about His death, burial and resurrection, and shall bring the despairing comfort and rest. Salvation belongs to your God. Now Hebrews 10, a couple more scriptures and we'll close. Hebrews 10, it says this. Talking about the New Testament revealed in the Old. It says, for it is possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Therefore, when he came into the world... He said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. So see now how the new, the new covenant, Patty, is revealed in the old? You, your, your people long ago could have read bulls and goats and sacrifices and offerings. And what does that mean? How do they get to... How, how do we, the, the man in Isaiah 53 comes along, uh, or the, the man Philip comes along, the Ethiopian eunuch. He says, what are you doing? I'm reading the Old Testament. I'm reading Isaiah 53. And he says, do you know what you're reading? Or how, how can I know what I'm reading? And he says, well, I can tell you because I've been walking with this man and we just saw him crucified, we just saw him buried, and we just saw him raised from the dead. The man of suffering, the man of sorrows, the man acquainted with much grief, that is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's the one you're reading about. Yes. 
And so it says previously, he, he says, he says, you prepared a body for me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. You had no pleasure. Then he said, behold, I've come in the volume of the book. It's written of me to do your will, O God. I'm revealed in Genesis. I'm revealed in Exodus. I'm revealed in Lamentations. I'm revealed in every page of the scripture. I'm revealed in those genealogies. I'm revealed all the way through the book. So when you start to read the book, no matter where you read, you start looking for Jesus and you will receive revelation. Amen, brother. Preach. I'm getting excited if nobody else is. Hallelujah. So Genesis 3.15 lays out the plan of salvation. Genesis 5 lays out the plan of salvation. Go back to one more. Genesis 15, since we're talking about Abraham. We could go through this whole book. This whole book. God preaching the gospel. Genesis 15, this is another encounter with Abraham. Showing that salvation is revealed through the book. That God is so long-suffering that he waits for mankind. He's waiting for you, folks. Do you know why God hasn't come? A lot of us say, why has God not come? Look at all the murders. Because of you. He's waiting on you, Mr. Lost Person, Mrs. Lost Person. He's waiting on you. He's waiting one more call. You're in a church one more time. He's waiting on you to bend your knee to Him and, and receive Him as Lord and Savior. And the long-suffering of God, He waits for stubborn people. He waits for stubborn humanity. He waits for stiff-necked people who are so full of themselves and say, I don't need God. I'll fix it myself. I'll fix it with all these rituals, with all these Hail Mary, Mother of Grace, and all these rosary beads, and all these prayers, and all these meditations, and all these genres and jargons, and all these things. I'll fix it with baptismal waters, and I'll fix it with all these things. And God says, you're not going to fix it with all these things, because it's not by efforts of man that you'll be justified. It's through the Son of the living God that you'll be justified. Amen? It's not through keeping blood sacrifices or rituals or feasts. Read the book of Colossians. There's no more room for these things. They're, 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 it's, it's the Son. It's the Son. It's the Son. And that's why I keep pounding these messages into us till we'll believe them. And so we, had, we know that another covenant came about, the old covenant with the Jews. They had a relationship with God through Moses, through the Ten Commandments. Uh, they, they had to keep them perfectly. There was a legal agreement with God and Israel that if you keep the law perfectly, then I will forgive you perfectly because I'm a perfect God. So we got a deal. And they're like, yeah, we got a deal. It's easy. We'll keep Ten Commandments. But folks, the problem is, he said, even if you break one, you've broken them all. And that always kind of bothered me. And I heard an example recently from a preacher I love in Ireland. And he, he said this. He said he struggled with this until he heard an example about where you wanted to make a 10-egg omelet, Caleb, and how you would take the egg and crack it, the first one, and it's good egg. Take the second egg and crack it. Take the third egg and crack it. All of a sudden, you pick up a fourth and you crack it and you put it in there and it stinks and it's nasty and it's terrible. Terrible. And so rather than you can't really take it out or even but if you tried, you, you know, you might leave some in, but you would think you would try to take it out. But rather than try to take it out, Dale, what you decide to do with the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, if I cover it up with the good eggs, I can cover up the bad. So you cover it up with the next egg and the next egg and the next egg and the next egg. You whip it together. You cook it. You go take your wife the plate of eggs and you pray and you get the life insurance policy up because the bad eggs still has salmonella and can't get covered up with the good and that's what a lot of you do and a lot of myself have spent a lot of years doing with religion we try to take a little bad in our life and we kind of try to keep heaping on good and God says I see right through it I see right through your facade you're not going to cover up the bad that you are with the good there's no one righteous no not one and my remedy and my plan for salvation is there's coming a seed, not seeds, a seed who will bruise. His heel will be bruised, but he'll crush the head of Satan for mankind. And I'll receive him. 
I'll receive His payment. And I'll receive Him. And if you're in Him, you'll be saved. And so Abraham in Genesis 15, 6, listen to what it says. And he believed the Lord, and he accounted it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land and inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer. Three-year-old is a mature heifer. Sounds young to us, but remember dog ears and all that good stuff. This means a good, healthy, strong, prime animal in the prime of its life. Bring me a three-year-old heifer. And so he said, uh, and he said, Lord, how shall I know that I will inherit? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. That covered everybody. That's for the rich and poor. Salvation is to all. If you couldn't afford a heifer, then you can bring one of the others all the way down to a pigeon. Even the poorest of poor at that time could get a hold of a pigeon. So he had salvation made available to everyone. Salvation is for all in this room. It's not just for the rich guy. It's not just for the religious guy. It's not just for the preacher. It's for everybody. Amen. It's for everybody. Hallelujah. And I'm so grateful. In fact, if you're in that rich category, you maybe have a lot more trouble than the one in the poor category because he says it's harder for a rich man to enter in through the eye of a needle than it's harder for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than a rich man uh, to get through there and to get into the kingdom of heaven. So, so, uh, um, but but, but, but here he says, uh, what I just quoted was earlier was from Hebrews. And now we're reading in Genesis about these sacrifices. Remember the new covenant revealed in the old? The old covenant is concealed in the new. And, 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 so, and, and so right here, it, we just quoted from Hebrews. And when you start to look for Christ, then you're going to find revelation in there. You're gonna, when you start to read this into the old, you're going to start. It's gonna, it, the old is great. It's the Word of God. It's as much as the Word of God is in it. you got to have it. And folks, you read it. But when you start reading it through the lens and the right lens, you're going to understand it's going to pop off the page. And revelation is going to come. That's going to be absolutely uh, fabulous and amazing. And you'll find revelation of Jesus Christ like promised land really can be translated in the new heavenly land come on they went for a land on this earth a promised land we got a heavenly land that's so much far superior and so much better they got a regular Jerusalem we got a new Jerusalem from above coming down out of heaven I mean just adorned for her wife it's just awesome so I want to look back one time here and I want us to see Christ in this old covenant and I want to show you something that was delivered here to Abraham in this covenant that, that he saw partially but now we can see completely and this is what I pray and how we'll bring it down to a close for you today there's something on your part you got to do and I'll show it to you and Christ has done all the rest and it's revealed right here because Abraham does nothing in this little demonstration and in this little covenant except fall asleep and have revelation come to him Listen to what it says verse 10 then he brought all those these to him here's what he's doing he's bringing and having a covenant with Abraham is revealing something to him that's concealed right now he brought all these to him but we read Hebrews now we understand we see what's going on then he brought all these to him he cut them into pieces down the middle placed each piece on opposite sides of each other but he did not cut the birds in two pieces so he cut all the animals there except for the pigeons that were brought and he he left them whole and he cuts the sacrifice so we have sacrifices here and when the vultures came down on the carcasses Abraham drove them away that's going to be your part in a minute it, now when the sun was going down a deep sleep fell on Abraham. Abraham's doing nothing. He's put to sleep. He's not working. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not their own. He's telling him about the future and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. He's speaking of Egyptian slavery. He's telling him what's to come with his descendants and offspring. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. But after they shall come out with the great possessions. And we know God did that. Brought them through the Red Sea. Watch Charlton Heston and see all the greatness of how they come out of the Red Sea. And they go through and God leads them. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. And you shall be buried at a good old age, Abraham. But in the fourth generation, 
They shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet completed. And it came to pass when the sun, remember he's still asleep. It came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between these pieces. This is showing you the new covenant. Abraham isn't doing it. God is showing up now. In fact, the Trinity is showing up now. Abraham is asleep. He's having a revelation in a dream about what's going on. You got the sacrifice that's going on here. He's hearing about being enslaved for 400 years, being brought out. And as he's sleeping, an incredible thing begins to happen to the sacrifice. The animals that are split in part, the birds of the air have been pushed away by Abraham. And then a cloud of smoke and a burning torch appears. And you got to see the picture here. It's only extrapolated because of the New Testament concealed and revealed. You have got a picture of the Trinity. You've got a picture of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. You got a picture of the smoldering of the Holy Spirit. You got a picture of God who is a consuming fire. You're seeing the Jesus there. You're seeing the Holy Spirit there. You're seeing God the Father there. It's a complete picture of salvation and death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. They didn't completely. He totally did it for you and me. It's the plan of salvation. God's burning fire consumes the sacrifice. The power of the Holy Spirit. The sacrifice which is Jesus Christ. It's the enormity of understanding these truths. And the only effort, God did the work. God sealed the covenant. God took care of it. Jesus is hanging up on that cross. The disciples have fled and gone everywhere. And He's sitting there alone. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost have made covenant before the foundation of the world. We will save mankind. We will redeem mankind. And we will invite them into this wonderful covenant and plan of God. And let me tell you your part. Here's your part. And it's in the minds of people right now. When the birds come down, when the demonic forces come down, you got to shoo them away. You got to get them out of your mind. When the unbelief comes down and says, Christ is not enough, you got to add your works. You got to push that out of your mind. When the Bible says, This is old, this is archaic, that's passe. All religions lead now to God. You got to push that birds out of the air and out of your mind and say, Get behind. Me, Satan. I believe. I believe. I believe, folks. The only effort now was when the sacrifice was being trying to be taken away. And boy, if the world isn't trying to take the sacrifice. Oh yeah, how about parents? We just hood, hood, hook, line, and sinker undermine the creation of this world with evolution in your schools. Because if we can get just a crack of doubt in your minds that maybe the creation wasn't real, then why should I believe the, the sacrifice on the cross or anything else in this book? Or the doubt of man and woman in marriage, or the doubt that this sin's really that bad, or the doubt of anything. It's constantly the birds of the air and the birds of the prey are constantly trying to consume the sacrifice, to take the sacrifice away from you and to stop. We don't even preach the cross anymore in our churches. We don't even preach the blood. We don't even preach self-help about man. You can do it. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I don't want to tell you you're a bad person. You're really a great, great person and God loves you. And you can bring your own salvation by. Or, hey, better yet, God's sorry that we messed up. He'll just universally sweep us all in in the end. Then why did His Son have to die? Then why did His Son's blood pour out of His body on a cross? If He could just do it some other way. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, our God still has a problem with sin. The wage of sin is death and it must be punished. He is holy. He is just. If you had a young daughter that, got, that just got violently just slaughtered and manipulated and just raped and ransacked, and we went before the judge and the judge just said, well, 
They said they're sorry. That would be a wicked judge, wouldn't it? He has to deal with the sin. And so Jesus says, I will pay for the sin of humanity. Put it on me, Father. I'll pay it so that they can be forgiven and come into eternal life. And I'll recreate them and I'll give them a power. I'll give them a new heart, new mind and a new spirit. And they'll be able to walk in my statutes and my ways. And so the constant battle we have, and it's the battle right now with witnessing. And this is why we need to pray. Is that when we take this message, most people, the birds have gotten to the sacrifice. And they just say, I really don't care about your Jesus. I've heard that all my life. It's really not that... I've heard it enough. Don't bother me. Hallelujah. So please rebuke them in the name of Jesus. Father, we love you. God, even as Abraham slept, you made covenant. You made covenant between yourself. And God, you made a plan of salvation. If man couldn't do it, if man couldn't remedy the situation, then God, you would remedy the, the situation for man by becoming a man. Being born of a virgin. Living a perfect, holy, sinless life. Paying for the sins of the world that just as in the first Adam, we all were in the first Adam and death was passed on to the world, that now through the second Adam, we're all in his, all that want to be in Him and are, are, are in His death, burial, and resurrection now, God, have been offered. The many, the, the many have been given life and grace. And Father, we pass from death unto life, God. And I can't make somebody understand that. I couldn't even understand that myself until You revealed it to me. And God, I just ask You somehow to reveal that in the hearts and minds of people here today. Just somehow by your spirit, God, even if when they go home, that somehow they'll open the book and they'll see that, lo, you're, you're revealed in the volume of the book. And everywhere we look, it speaks of you. And everywhere we look, it speaks of God with this wonderful plan of salvation for mankind. That God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that we would be with him eternally. You never wanted man to be separated from you. You've always wanted relationship. And that's why immediately in that first gospel, that Provo Evangelion, the first gospel message you were offering to Adam and Eve, it was still a promise that we just simply need to believe and trust and receive by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. And not of ourselves. It is a gift from God. Lest any man should boast. We'll boast in Christ. In Christ alone. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you. Hasn't made you Lord of their lives. God, I pray that they would make you King of kings and Lord of lords. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.